0: Section eighteen of Claimants to Royalty. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulet. Claimants to Royalty by John H. Ingram. Chapter eighteen. The False Edward the Sixth of England a d fourteen eighty six the frequency in the middle ages with which sovereigns and members of royal families met with mysterious deaths afforded full scope for the ingenious to exercise their talents in assuming the names and titles of deceased princes as the murderers or those who profited by the murder, often could not conveniently produce proofs of the absent person's decease. The claimant was frequently enabled to make good use of his rival's reticence, but, almost invariably, even if the fraud were not discovered, the pretender was overthrown, and nearly always paid for his temerity by an ignominious, or at all events, a violent death. The subject of the present sketch, is almost the only impostor, proved to be one, who met with a luckier fate. The manner in which Richard the Third disposed of his nephews, Edward V and Richard, Duke of York, was so mysterious and secret, that it is not strange, that it gave rise to many curious complications, the perplexities of which had to be suffered by his successor. Presuming the two young princes to have been put to death, the next male heir to the throne, upon the demise of Richard Third, was Edward, Earl of Warwick, the son of the late Duke of Clarence. At one time, indeed, Richard had treated the boy as heir apparent, but his jealousy becoming aroused, he had him detained as a prisoner in the manor house of Sheriff Hutton, doubtless with a view of causing him to share ultimately the sad fate of his cousins one of the earliest acts of henry the seventh after the defeat and death of richard at bosworth field was to secure the person of earl of warwick he had the youthful captive brought up to london from yorkshire and then the poor boy born to perpetual calamity as hall remarks was incontinent in the tower of london put under safe and sure custody the place of this unfortunate prince's durance henry's known character and the apparently parallel case of his two cousins quickly gave rise to the rumour that edward had died suddenly this intelligence corresponded with the projected schemes of a certain richard simon a priest residing at oxford this man for some time past if bacon and other authorities are to be believed had been educating a baker's son lambert simnel by name to play a daring and apparently hopeless part in his ambitious game and the news of the earl of warwick's death afforded him the desired opportunity of taking the first step the priest and his pupil a lad of no small natural dignity and tact proceeded to ireland and in november fourteen eighty six landed at dublin simon introduced his pupil to the earl of kildare first and finding him only too willing to accept his story openly proclaimed the boy to be edward son of the duke of clarence escaped from his imprisonment in the tower the nobles and gentry in ireland crowded to see the pseudo prince who is recorded to have been not only beautiful and graceful in person but witty and ingenious he told his touching story with great consistency and, when questioned, he could give minute particulars relating to the royal family. The Earl of Kildare, who was Lord Lieutenant, or Deputy, of Ireland, presented Simon's protege to the people, as sole male heir left of the line of Richard, Duke of York, and consequently, the rightful ruler of that realm. A large number of Irish hereupon acknowledged him as their monarch, the citizens of Dublin declaring unanimously in his favor so that, says Bacon, with marvellous consent and applause, this counterfeit plantagenet was brought with great solemnity to the castle of Dublin, and there saluted, served and honoured as king, the boy becoming it well, and doing nothing that did betray the baseness of his condition. Messengers were sent into England and Flanders for assistance. In the meanwhile, that the boy was solemnly crowned and anointed in the cathedral of dublin by the bishop of meath as edward the sixth under which name he issued writs convoked a parliament and performed other acts of legal authority without there being a single sword drawn in king henry's favour when intelligence of this affair reached henry's ears he at once summoned a council to meet at the Charter House near sheen and the result of their deliberations was that edward plantagenet should be taken out of the tower and publicly shown to the citizens to prove the levity and imposture of the proceedings in ireland secondly that a general pardon or amnesty should be granted to all that would reveal their offences and submit themselves by a certain day and this pardon was to be so ample that not even high treason no not against the king's own person should be accepted lastly it was resolved that queen dowager henry's mother-in-law should be arrested imprisoned and her goods confiscated under the absurd pretence that she had broken her agreement with henry in delivering her daughters out of sanctuary into the late king richard's hands this last resolution every one could readily perceive was adopted from a motive different to the alleged one and bacon hints that henry suspected his royal relative of having prompted to suit her own purposes the priest and his protege Lampert in their undertaking whatever the cause of her imprisonment the king says the historian sustained great obloquy for it which nevertheless was somewhat sweetened to him by a great confiscation the pardon was accordingly proclaimed the queen-mother imprisoned in the nunnery of bermondsey and the unfortunate veritable prince edward was brought forth from his imprisonment in the tower and on a sunday taken through the principal streets to st paul's cathedral where a large number of persons had congregated and it was proved in also good fashion that divers of the nobility and others of quality especially those that the king most suspected and knew the person of plantagenet best had communicated with the young gentleman by the way the poor lad was then reconducted to his place of durance after having so far as england was concerned served his jailer's purpose the irish however had gone too far to be disconcerted by this exhibition and they loudly declared that it was henry who had tricked up a boy in the likeness of edward Plantagenet and showed him to the people to suit his own plans at this time also unexpected succour arrived in ireland for the pretender john de la pole earl of lincoln nephew of the two late kings edward the fourth and richard the third and after edward plantagenet the legitimate heir to the yorkist claims had fled from the clutches of henry the seventh to the protection of his aunt margaret of burgundy the duchess ever ready to assist the yorkist cause had at once entered into the Simnel plot and promised all the aid in her power she fitted out a regiment of two thousand mercenaries put them under the command of martin swartz a skilled veteran and sent them with the earl of lincoln into ireland thus assisted the irish malcontents insisted upon being led into england and despite the more prudent advice of some of their council this plan was adopted under the leadership of the earls of lincoln and kildare the pretender and his adherents crossed over into Lancashire, where they were joined by a small body of english under sir thomas Broughton. henry meanwhile lost no time in raising troops and by the time the rebels had reached stoke near newark they came into contact with the king's army The battle was obstinately contested, but the pretender's small and ill-armed forces had no chance against the royal troops. Martin Schwartz, with his Germans, performed bravely, and so did those few English that were on that side. Neither did the Irish fail in courage or fierceness. But being almost naked men, only armed with darts and skeins, it was rather an execution than a fight upon them, insomuch as the furious slaughter of them, was a great discouragement and appallment to the rest. The German veterans died in their ranks, almost to a man, and the rebels did not succumb until one half of their number, including nearly all their leaders, had fallen on the field, while some hundreds of the royalists perished. Amongst the slain were the earls of Lincoln and Kildare, Sir Thomas Broughton, Colonel Schwartz, and it is presumed, Lord Lovell, whilst among the prisoners were the pseudo-king and his tutor richard simon as soon as the pretender was proved to be only plain lambert simnel henry took him into his service and employed him in the royal kitchen as a turnspit ultimately promoting him to be one of the king's falconers henry says bacon out of wisdom thinking that if he suffered death he would be forgotten too soon but being kept alive he would be a continual spectacle and a kind of remedy against the like enchantments of people in time to come. As for the priest, observes this same authority. He was committed close prisoner and heard of no more, the king loving to seal up his own dangers. End of The False Edward the Sixth of England